I believe what God is doing right now is he wants and is taking us from a, a religious, so to speak, form to a true form. And you can go to church your whole life, to your point, and still have a nature that's not quite God. It's a form of God. We know the Bible tells us that, right? But to, to be God, that's, that's the important part here, is when those promises become true in you. And so therefore, it's, it, there's a difference between praying to God, and I, I've said this before, but you pray to God as if he is just something other than you versus his spirit being in you and you praying to God as being one with God. And it, it's not replacing God, it is just the oneness, like I've, I've talked about a lot. And isn't that important? I mean, isn't that the, the way to pray? And doing it that way removes the form of religion, so to speak, the religious of it, where it's a copycat and not a true. And we want the true, don't we? There's a difference between sometimes God talking to you. And this is very important too. So let me throw this out there real quick. I hear people say, well, God told me this. God told me this. God told me this. Sometimes I hear it so much that I'm like, man, God is very busy talking to a person. But I don't believe all of that is always necessarily say God as we might equate it. I believe that God's word gets into our heart and it's our very nature of God that is talking to us. It's, it's not like we might say, well, God's talking to me. And it's all the same, but in, in differences, it's not always necessarily. You didn't, you didn't act like Moses and go up to the mountaintop and stand in, in God himself God has been sowing his word in you and you're, you're hearing from the fruit that's coming up in you. There's a difference, isn't there? Is that a good thing? Talk about it. How many would love to eat off your own tree? Because your tree is righteous. Your tree is holy before God. Your tree is bringing forth the right fruit. So is it possible, Megan, that you could have thoughts of God because God has sowed his word into you and you live off them? You're, you're fed off them. Yeah, that's what you want. But to say, well, God, I, I talked to God today. Maybe you talk to your fruit. In other words, you don't have to go around using, well, I talked to God today. Maybe, maybe you did, maybe you didn't discern it for yourself, but trust in the fruit that's coming forth. Trust in the word of the Lord that the, the word of God is bringing forth in you and enjoy it because those are the thoughts that you live in every day. My faithfulness, my righteousness, my hope, my joy, my peace, all of that are fruits that come forth in me that we live off of in the spirit. And so therefore, it's, um, it gets kind of um, strange sometimes, especially if we say, well, God's telling me this or God's telling me that, but our fruit doesn't line up. Then it, then it gets different. You don't want to fall into that. Fall into the aspect of, I'm going to live by every word of God that he's given me, and I'm going to trust in that. Makes sense on the difference though, right? And, and what you want to do is, experience Jesus. Like I said a couple weeks ago when I talked about what Jesus wants. How many remember what Jesus wants from you? What does he want? He wants his word to return to him. Know him by the Spirit. You're right there, Megan. Okay, now this is very important. I'm going to say it again. You know what Jesus wants? He wants you to see him who he really is. So seeing by the Spirit is right. But let's go beyond that. Does he, matter of fact, Dave, John 17, 
Now I'm going to guess at this verse, verse 24. Let's try that. John 17, 24 tells you. How many believe Jesus has a desire? What's his desire? Now he, he's praying, right? Verse 24, Father, I will. You see that will right there? Do you know what that means? You know what that is? It's his desire, Keith. His will is his desire. That's what that word will means. I will, I desire that they whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me from the foundation of the world. That is so powerful. So, Paula, what's the will of Jesus? Yeah. And that he reveals his glory to you and you see it. Now, you know what changes you into the same image as him? Beholding his glory. Now, how could you not? How could you not behold the glory of Jesus Christ and not be changed? You say, well, he was in the earth and, and he walked around healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, and yet people did not behold his glory, did they? What'd they call him, Julie? When you're not beholding the glory of Jesus, what do you, what do you make him? A man. Joseph's son, Mary's son. Oh, by the flesh. And that's the only revelation you have. You know what that makes Jesus? Historical. You know what's, what the, the desire of, of Jesus is? Is he wants you to know, hey, I'm alive. I wasn't a historical figure. I am alive. I rose from the dead. I am alive. You know, 1 Corinthians says that he is reigning in heaven until what happens? Do you know? Until all his enemies are put under his feet. He has to deliver the kingdom back to his father. So is, if he is currently reigning as risen, you mean it's not fully finished? In How, how can it not be finished? I thought it was finished. Where are the enemies at? Ah, in you. So is he reigning until all of the work is finished in you? So has he got your back? Is he reigning from heaven going, I got you, I got you. But the only way I can get you from there where you are amongst all your enemies is to reveal the glory of where I'm at. And then, the glory is revealed, and you become. I want to talk to you um, for a moment about this veil. Have you ever read and talked about the idea of Moses being veiled? He had to veil his face. Remember that? So he would go up to the mountain of God, talk to God himself. <laughs> That's mind-blowing. And, and we go, well, I talked to God. You did? On the mountain of God? And he, his face shone so glorious that when he'd come down the mountain, that he talked to the people and his face was glorified. How could it not rub off, John? Say, you love Jesus? Of course I love Jesus. I live for Jesus. Well, let it rub off then. If, if it rubbed off, what'd they say about the disciples it, when Jesus had resurrected and they looked, these are unlearned. These are men that are not learned like we are. But I could tell they've been with Jesus. Did Jesus rub off on them? Did God rub off on Moses? How? They were in the glory. Didn't John say, 
the one that was manifested in the flesh, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son. Yeah, we be they knew his glory. They saw it. And when they saw it, it rubbed off on them. It changed them, John. It changed them into that same likeness. And when it changed them, not only did their life change, they could access the presence of God with him. That's what we want right there. What's the point of having the glory of Jesus revealed to us? What's the point of it? I just answered it. To change us and to help us access it. He put John 17, 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm reigning with my father. You want to join me? How about all you overcomers? You want to sit with him in his throne? Come on, all you Laodiceans. Do you want to sit with him on his throne with his father? Oh, yeah. And therefore, the glory is to make you one. The glory is to put you with him. So why am I pushing this so much? I'm getting somewhere with this. So I haven't left Moses yet. But notice how the glory of Moses coming down off that mountain. Let me ask you a question here. Who did he represent there? God? More specifically, Jesus. Did, is, was he showing us what was to come? Now then, at that point, Brad, like Paul tells us, he had the Ten Commandments. So there was a ministration of death that had to come forth. In other words, death had to be revealed. Moses helped with that. So that glory was awesome. But he also was a foreshadow of the glory of Jesus that was to come. Now here's the thing. Jesus covered his glory with what? Oh my goodness. Was that the veil? So I could, I could look at Gary and say, <laughs> look at him. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're getting old here. Er, we're getting older here. I know we feel like we're 19 and 20. <laughs> but we're getting older here and, and it's... Uh, it's going to be comical at times of the things that can happen. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about if you're getting older. <laughs> Don't tell no secrets, okay? <laughs> Leave all those at home. It's getting embarrassing sometimes. Leave those things at home, man. But if I can see past the flesh, what, what can I see? I can see the glory of Christ in the spirit of Christ that's there. The son of God that prays before the father, that hears from God, that talks to God. Actually, he talks to God in the presence of the Lord. But I got to look beyond the flesh. This is what hindered the people with Jesus. We say, well, that was them. That's not us. Oh, Ooh. no, that's us. We got to shake off the mindset of flesh and see the glory, right? So we got to look beyond the veil. Well, Paul described it like this. Now there's verses, Dave, you don't have to put it up yet, but it's going to be in 2 Corinthians 3. There's verses I will get to there. But the idea is that Paul is saying very specifically that, you know, they in the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, in the New Testament, they would meet at these synagogues, right? Well, did you think they got up there like us and read 2 Corinthians or the book of John in the synagogue at the time of Jesus? Do you think they were reading the New Testament or were they reading Moses? Were they reading the Old Testament? So how easy would it be to continually every week to get up and read the Old Testament and never have a perception of Jesus. 
Jesus shows up and says, hey, let me take that Old Testament to the next place. And many times he was rejected by many. And so we, we come to church and how many times have we put Jesus in the old mindset? Have you ever been raised? I think you said it, Naomi, about the idea of we read the scriptures, read the scriptures, and, and actually it, it's just the same old thing. We've learned it our whole life, so it's so easy just to read through it. Like somebody told me, I mentioned this before, on my writings on my website, I'll separate the verses sometimes. Well, if you think you already know the verse, you will read that and then, oh, I know that verse. I'll skip over that and keep reading. You ever done that? Like, interesting. You know what that says? You think you already know what it says. And you think you don't have anything else to learn in that verse. You know what that tells me? The glory hasn't been revealed. Now, that's just a simple little thing. We get so comfortable, it's because the glory is not there. The minute you enter into glory, your mindset changes. Every word of God is popping. It's alive. I like to say this thing. Wake up your Bible. Your Bible's sleeping. So no, my angel's sleeping. No, your Bible is sleeping. It's like God is sleeping. Wake it up. You know how you wake it up? Resurrect it. You know how you resurrect it? With the glory of Jesus Christ. And I say, wake up your Bible, man. And in this, put some glory to it. Well, how do I do that? Have an experience with Jesus and see that he is the word. See, when you know that the glory of Jesus, the word, the glory of Jesus comes alive off of that Bible. And you begin to see it. And it's not just a book anymore. It's the glory of the word of God. And we need that. But what happens if it's veiled? What happens? The veil is, why did I bring up the Old Testament? You know, Paul's talking about the writings of Moses. And he says this, the minds are blind. The heart is covered. Jesus shows up in the world and, he, and he's covered in flesh and Keith, they couldn't see him. He was veiled. The veil was there. And, and so to see Jesus meant you had to see him truly by the spirit. You couldn't judge him by the flesh, Paula. If you're judging by the flesh, you couldn't see him. This is why I get after everybody to say, don't judge someone by the flesh. Now, sometimes flesh is not good. It doesn't, it doesn't do what's right. And to understand that, I get it. But I'm talking about in the heavenly part here, okay? In the heavenly part, why would I want to judge you after the flesh? Why wouldn't I want to know you by the Spirit? If I know you by the Spirit then my judgment is correctly because it's righteous. And it's through Christ. And so the judgment is correctly. I remember growing up in church, somebody would come along and say some weird stuff and be like, ooh, I, I felt Jezebel there. Or I, I felt, you know, this is the way we were taught. Well, I didn't, back now I look back and go, I, I don't know if that was Jezebel. I don't know what that was. I just, I just thought it was weird. Well, I was obviously judging some things after the flesh. Now I want to make sure that even when a person acts weird, I don't accuse them of being Jezebel just because I felt weird about it. I want to know them by that spirit of God and let the spirit tell me the truth so that I don't accuse somebody falsely. Or that I don't honor them falsely either. Same thing, right? But it all depends on can you look past the veil? Well, I'm telling you everything basically Paul said in Corinthians. We might as well read a part of it real quick. 
let's start in verse 11. I'm going to jump right in the middle of it, but it's okay. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. So he's talking about old and new. Seeing then that we have such a hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. The veil's going to be removed. That's the abolished part. Notice what he says in that verse. Why did he say not as Moses? Because he said in verse 12, we got to use great plainness of speech. We got to speak plainly, Keith, not like Moses did. How did Moses not speak plain? When he put the veil over his face, it wasn't plain anymore. It was hidden. So notice how Jesus would say, he would speak in parables, and then he told his disciples, I'm going to stop talking to parables in you, I'm going to speak plain. What is he saying? I'm going to remove the veil so you can see me, and when you see me as I am, that's going to be plain speech. Now think about that. That's like, we, we all pray. I want to see God. I want to see Jesus. I want to see him. I want to see him. I want to see him. Now get ready because when he removes the veil, hang on. Because he's going to be something that you have not seen before. Because when you see him in all his glory, that self-righteousness that worked in you it can't stand that pride that we've walked in and in our thoughts through the years of being saved and being a Christian. All of that can't stand. You know what does stand? Humility, faith, righteousness, oneness with the spirit. So all of the judgments of flesh all go away. They all go away. And you know what? I love that because now do I want Jesus to, my whole life to have to speak parable to me and try how many of you you think parable you dream parable you live in parable but you can't interpret any of it think about that that what a life Gary to live in total parable with no understanding remove the veil when, you, when the veil's removed, Christ appears, what comes with it? The glory, the understanding, the interpretation, whoo, wisdom, here we go. You say, well, I, wanna, I want wisdom of God. You're going to have to have the veil removed because when the wisdom starts coming, hang on. So I want to know the truth. Get ready because the truth may not be what you thought when the veil was there. For example, did the crowds follow Jesus? Why? Why did it say they followed him? For the miracles. For the loaves and fishes? Feed me, feed me, feed me. I'll follow you. Why? Because you're taking care of me. You're comforting me. You're, you're helping me get through this day. Is that all you want out of life? Lord, help me get through this day so I can just live tomorrow. Is that it? Is that all we want? Just feed me one more time today. Help me get through, Lord Jesus. That's not it, man. Jesus walked around veiled and he did meet those needs. He took care of uh, uh, many. But what was the point that wasn't the truth or the full truth of who he was, is it? So if you want the full truth, it's not just about that. It's about going to the next place of glory. Whew, that's good. Therefore, Jesus is more than a provider. Jesus is more than a healer. No, he is that. <laughs> and he is. But he's more than that. So like he came to the earth and did that. But he's more than that. 
And therefore, when we remove the glory, we stop just following him for what he can give me. We follow him for who he actually is, Keith. Who he is. See, I've been after that the whole time. And when you look at what Jesus said here, I got to finish this. Big subject this morning, a lot to say, but we'll narrow it down. I left off 13, right, Dave? So go to 14. But their minds, now remember, it said they couldn't steadfastly in verse 13. They, they said they couldn't steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, before I move on, is it possible that we could come to church, read the Old and the New Testament, and still be in the Old Covenant mindset? Yeah. So you say, well, this don't apply to me because he's saying Old Testament. I believe in the New Testament. Well, you may read it, but do you believe in it? Has it been revealed to you? That's what we're after. If it's been revealed to you, then yeah. You're in the New Testament. We want that, right? In other words, I'm not here just to, just to say everybody gets a free pass. We're all in the New Testament. I want to provoke you to examine yourself to say, am I living by the New Testament? Am I living by Jesus Christ? Or am I still thinking according to the flesh, according to the old? Just you, let you and God sort that out. How about that? And so verse 15, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon the heart. Nevertheless, when it turns to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Is that the answer? It didn't say turn to the man, Jesus, turn to the Lord. And what does Corinthians say? 1 Corinthians 12 tell us about how a man calls him Lord. How? By the Holy Ghost. No man can call him Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So turning to Jesus or turning to the Lord is what? Is it having the Spirit of God in you by the Holy Ghost that you can call him Lord? What's happened to you? The veil's been removed. And in that, in that, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. But we all with open face, that means the veil's removed. Open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's as plain as it gets. How does this happen? By the Spirit of the Lord. And, and so why do we say, well, I want you to live by the Spirit, Brad. We were reminded, Brad and I talking about uh, something I taught a while back. Call about Paul saying in Romans 1, I serve God with my spirit. Check that out. What we just read there. As by the spirit of the Lord. Is that how we're changed? Paul was changed by the spirit, Micah. And therefore, he followed the Lord by the spirit. The spirit has access to the glory. The Spirit has access. So I want a glory with him. Well, we just read it in John. The glory makes you one. But how can you be one if Jesus is still just a man? He's just a man. How can you be one? Pull up John 17, 5. And let's see what Jesus says about himself when he's praying to the father do you know this is going to be mind-blowing it was for me 
Micah, grab the mic and lead everybody in reading this verse. Everybody read this now. John 17 and 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus, as a man, is praying, but by what? I mean, he's praying by the Spirit. You know why? Because that Spirit was in the beginning with the Father in the glory. And now he's saying, glorify me, not just for himself, but for all those that are there. And that whole 17 is he's praying for those that are his to give them the glory. He wants to reveal himself in the glory so that you can join him with the Father. And, you know, uh, an example of this for myself, and I've told this before through the years, but this was in the early days. We came to the church to pray one night. I was brand new as the pastor. Didn't even know what I was doing. Called a prayer meeting. Let's go to the church and pray. I didn't know what to expect. I was nervous, anxious, didn't know what to think. On the way to church, I had considered turning around and going home. Now that sounds dumb, but these were my battles. Because I thought, I don't know what to do. Well, you, the, the obvious answer is just go to church and let's see what happens. <laughs> and trust God, wouldn't it be? But there was too much anxiety there about the idea of trying to lead people in prayer and then getting it right and all that. It was too much overthinking, like we do. And I remember coming to church and the Lord began to put this prayer in me. John 17, right here. Glorify me with the glory I had with you. And I was like, my God, that's a prayer. That is a prayer. And I'm still praying to Jesus like he's outside of me at the time. And I'm on my way, and so I'm meditating in this. And now I'm like, okay, but I still don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this. I didn't want to say it. In other words, do you know what God was doing for me? He was trying to put me in the same mindset as Christ in that verse. In other words, he was telling me, count yourself as a son. Glorify me with the glory I had with you in the beginning. He wanted me to experience the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And for us to live in this world, we've got to do that. We've got to have that glory revealed to us on some level, whatever that might be. So I come to the church and everybody's back there hanging around and I'm up here just pacing. I'm nervous as a cat. I'm just thinking, I still don't know what to do with this. And it was because I didn't want to blaspheme, Keith, by saying, praying that scripture and, and calling myself the son. I was nervous about that. And I didn't want to do it because I thought I would be in sin to do it. And so, the, I mean, it was a press at that point. And so I said, okay, I'm, look, I'll, I'll do my best. I began to pray that prayer, Keith. I prayed the prayer. I said, I'm humbling myself. If that's what you want me to pray, I didn't know what the Lord was about to do. I prayed the prayer. I was pacing up here and I began to pray. And then I called everybody up and we prayed in a circle for a little bit. And then we dispersed and we went to pray. And back then we had these pews. And I went straight over here to the first pew. And the minute my knees hit the floor, I was in a vision. And it was a vision like I had never seen before. It caught me so off guard. I'd, it was the most amazing things, all I can say. You know where I was? In the beginning. In the glory. The scripture says, glorify me with the glory I had with you in the beginning, before the world was. 
I am in this vision, in the beginning, in the glory of God. And you know what I'm doing? I am, per- I am participating in the glory of Jesus, creating the worlds. And I called forth the worlds and the creation, and I watched the days go by, and, and the, the creation continued and continued. And as the generations went out, I sent, by the word of the Lord, there was a council in heaven that sent Christ into the world. And as Christ went into the world and preached the gospel, then from the glory, I'm still in the glory, praying myself back. And all those that I have preached to and saved. Now, as a man, there's no way this is going to work. But when I saw the glory, that was the glory of Jesus. And when he joined me to that glory, because remember, Naomi was talking about joining yourself to the nature that is really of old and sin and the devil and the lies. At this point, I was joining myself to the glory of Jesus. And he revealed those things to me. That was the greatest thing. I thought, you know, that's one of the things you don't sleep for a week. And I come out of that and it began to hit me of all the things that I was experiencing. I did not even ask for that prayer. I did not seek God for that prayer. All I did was continue to be faithful to God in this life. And God led me to that prayer. And as he led me to that prayer, then he revealed his glory and I go, Jesus is not just a man. Jesus was the creator. You know why I can preach the glory of Jesus? I've seen it. I've been there. I've done it more than once. And in that part, it's not something where I just get up and boast about. This is something that I'm saying, let's go. Let's join. Let's gather this thing together in the glory and experience that. Is the glory real? Yeah, it's real. I'll never forget that. That changed my world. Well, let's just say the next time we went to pray, I wasn't so scared. And the glory began to show me things, and this has been a long journey for me and you. How that we come through this, it's everything Jesus wanted. You read his gospels, everything Jesus wanted for us was to not just be flesh and blood. He wants us to be spiritual. He wants us to be alive. He wants us to be raised up with him. He wants us to be baptized in his body, raised up into glory. He wants us with him reigning in the kingdom of God. Yes, he does. And therefore, there's a lot to be said through the years. We've talked about it. I've talked about it a lot. Uh, about how that applies to our life here but today it's all about we need that glory don't we so what's got to be removed let's let's remove the veil how does that happen turn to the lord how did i say you see the lord remember first corinthians 12 how do you see how do you call him lord by the Holy Ghost. How is it done here? Is it by the Spirit of the Lord? You can put up Galatians 4, verse 5. I'm getting better. I'm bragging now, so if I miss this, I'm in trouble, huh? What's it say, Micah? What's Paul saying to us? In Galatians 4 and 5, he said, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Keep reading, verse 6. And because ye are sons. Whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, hear that? Because you are sons. Because you are sons. Go ahead. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Oh, oh, hold on. Is your prayer 
that your father is God from the flesh? Or has God sent the spirit of his son into you so that your prayer is from the son, father, father, father? How's your perception here? Are you still just flesh and blood? Come on now. Are you still just flesh and blood? Or do you have a son of God in you? Everybody in the room. Sons of God. Is there daughters of God? Is there brothers? Is there friends? Oh boy, we're doing good. So what do you need? Go ahead and look at the verse. You read right off of there. The spirit of who? Which is, who's the son? Do you need the spirit of Jesus? So we would say that, well, if Jesus was, was in our church today, whoo, I'd be blown away. Yeah? Oh, what'd you say, John? He is here? Now we're talking. Now here's my question. Are you blown away? Ah, if he was here as a man, I'd be blown away. If he walked through those doors, I'd fall down on my face and worship him. Why aren't you doing that already? Because you don't think he's here. Yes, I do. (laughs) I'm provoking you. I'm not saying nobody doesn't think Jesus is here. But I'm provoking you to say, is he here? Is the spirit of the son here? Has he put it in our hearts to see him for who he is? Oh yeah, that means the veil's gone. Remember that last verse in Corinthians? What's that say? That we read, not the last one, the second to the last one. Where the spirit of the Lord is? There's what? How many of you have liberty? How many of you have liberty? If you have freedom, how many of you have freedom in the spirit? If you have freedom, who's there? Spirit of the Lord. That the Lord there is the key. The Lord is spirit. The Lord is different than just a man. He is Lord. Ooh, that's good. So what are we going to do? We going to follow the spirit? You bet we are. Isn't that great? So now, I don't want to rush off if, if you have a, a question or something. Anybody with a question? Two quick questions. One, you were even just saying, like, we would say if Jesus walked in here physically, we would bow down and worship him, right? We'd be so excited. But Jesus is here. And if it, so sometimes we don't even realize that. Is that because it's still veiled to us in some way? Yeah. You don't realize Jesus is here, right? The Spirit of the Lord is here. Well, the reason why that would be, let's say... You know, we come in the the mindset that we're coming to worship God, that he is here. Okay, but that can be subconsciously in our mind where it's not truly active. So we come here and it becomes a routine. And you kind of feel that, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't really there for me today. Or we judge it by the preaching or the service itself or all of that. A living, active word doesn't need anything from this ceremony that we do to provoke that spirit. That spirit is there and it's alive and it's active. It works on its own. And so, yeah, you could be sitting here and judging us by the flesh and therefore, well, you did good today. Or you didn't do so good today. And, and that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, he, he preached good today. I like that. Another day it's like, eh, he did okay. What are, we, what are we confessing? We're judging things by the flesh. Don't do that. So could he be veiled? Yeah. The spirit of the Lord here in me could, could be veiled to you if you're judging by the flesh. And so don't do that. 
that would mean the spirit of the Lord in me or in another would be veiled as well, right? If we're yes. able to. Yeah. Is that your second question or still on no, your first? The other so, so along that line, yes, that does that mean the same spirit of God in you is actually veiled and you're, you're not knowing it? Could be. So the other question, and I don't know if you want to go here, but in, just up farther up in uh, Corinthians, you were reading and it said, not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. What does that mean? Okay. The end of that scripture. There's, let me count how many there are. There's like four or five. Notice this, because that's, that's actually a good question. Uh, Dave, start in that chapter verse... Seven. Which one did you read from? Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Uh, verse seven says, "But if the ministration or the ministry of death was written and engraved in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance." which glory was to be done away or put to an end. Same thing. It's saying the same thing. What's coming to an end? The veiled face. Okay. And then you get to the next verses in 11. For if that which is done away, which is the same thing, it's brought to an end. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remained is glorious. You know what it's saying? Under the law of Moses, Christ was veiled. That's all it's saying. So did they live by the flesh under the law of Moses? Yeah. So Christ was veiled. That's all that was. So what's got to come to an end? The law of Moses got to come to an end and the law of faith and Christ is now on the scene. So Christ is unveiled. And then goes along with your verse 13 as well. And I could keep going on and on. There's several connections to where he's saying the exact same thing in those verses. So then when it was veiled, was that the glory of men because they kept the law? And then when it's unveiled, then that becomes the glory of the Lord? It can turn into that. But let's say it this way. Remember the last verse, Dave, put the last verse of the chapter up about when we behold with the open face. There's a glory to glory. Notice how it says, when we have an open face, we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. What glories are the two glories, Brad? Okay, so the two glories is the law of Moses. It was a glory. It had its glory and was awesome in its time, Keith, right? But when the new glory came, we're changed from glory to glory. And so here's the thing. The glory of man stems from the original glory, which is the law of Moses. The glory of man comes into that. That's done away when the glory of Christ comes in because it's not the glory of man anymore. It's the glory of Christ, the Spirit, the Lord. So that's how that works. That's the two glories. How many, which, which of you want to be in the glory of the old? Was there a glory in it? But that's what it's saying, Megan, that that glory's coming to an end and the new glory, let's build a new house. You know that tabernacle Moses built? Solomon built? Yeah, let's do away with that. I've got a new glory. It's called the body. Where Christ abides. The tabernacle. Who are you? Who are you? The temple of the Holy Ghost? Is that the new glory? Oh, now, I hope you're getting excited. That's what that is. Who else? Yes. When Jesus died and the veil in the temple was torn, that's the symbolization of the flesh yes. done away with. So we have that scripture. I know Dave can put it. He's probably already found it. The, oh, the veil when, when Christ put off the flesh. 
Hebrews 10.20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Oh my goodness. The new covenant. By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. So when Jesus died and put off his flesh, he opened up the, the true holy place. And now you can access Jesus in a resurrected body. Good question. Four good questions. Five good questions. Okay. <laughs> Mine's actually. So if I'm hearing this right, is it fair to say then that when this veil was broken, this is for all of us. Like yeah. This is, it's no, there's no veil anymore. There's nothing to hinder us. Correct. If we are willing to accept Jesus. Yes. Okay. That's this, awesome. this is why we teach it this way. Does resurrection start after you die and waiting on the Lord to come back and resurrect you? Or does resurrection start now? So can you access Jesus without the veil now? Yes. But you know what that means, Julie? Is that instead of talking flesh to flesh, spirit to spirit. And isn't that the point of prayer? Is your flesh praying or is, your, is the spirit of the son who's he put in you saying, Abba, Father? Right on. I mean, you're praying from the spirit of the son to the father. You know what that'll do for us, Julie? You go read John 17 and tells me if it matches all of our prayers. That's the son praying to the father. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a mic drop right there. But not for me, for Jesus. <laughs> because his prayer is spiritual. It's, it's the new living way. Yeah. Good questions. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. Open face is the veil removed. Open face, veil removed. Moses would go up to the mountain, talk to God, come down, put a veil on, then go back, talk to God, take the veil off. So he was talking to God face to face, but when he came to the people, he had to be veiled. It's a symbol of Christ. So was Christ the law to some? But to others, he was the spirit. He was the Lord. And all these things may not be unto a perfection in us yet at certain places. Everybody's going to be at a different place with your understanding. But isn't this where God has put us all? And, and at some level, we, we've got... A revelation of Jesus at some level, right? So let it increase. Let it increase, right? And we'll just trust the Lord on that. Okay? Well, let's stand to our feet. We've prayed a lot today already. So why don't we clap our hands into the Lord and be dismissed? All right?